So the season of Advent, we spend talking about the coming of Jesus. And you often observe uh, throughout that process that there's really three ways or times uh, that we can talk about uh, Jesus' coming, that he came as a a baby born in a manger in Bethlehem. Uh, He uh, is coming again uh, for all flesh to see together on the last day. Uh, and he comes to each of us uh, in our own experience, in our own lives, uh, through his word and sacrament. Uh, but that one gets a little more complicated because when Jesus was, came the first time as a baby, it's just very straightforward. There's the baby, there he is, that's when it happened. Uh, when he comes again in glory, it's going to be very straightforward. The archangel shouts, the trumpet blasts, the dead rise. It's going to be very straightforward. But the coming of Christ to each one of us, well, that's how it happened for you. Now it happened for you. Now it happened for you. Now it happened for you. And there's as many different manifestations of that as there are people in this room. So how does Jesus actually come to us is a, a question of Christ's coming that we can dig into uh, more. And uh, the theme for the Sundays this Advent is to look at the fourfold expression of Christ's coming that we have in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because how does Jesus come to us? Well, largely through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That The four Gospels supply most of everything we know about Jesus. We learn about Jesus from what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us about Jesus. And so a great way to think about Advent and what it's all about is looking at this fourfold expression of Christ's coming as a child the first time and how that has come down to us in the unique ways Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John each express it, the unique way they each introduce us to Jesus and his life and his life's work uh, and the unique ways they interpret that significance for us. So last week, uh, we looked at Matthew's advent, how Matthew introduces us to Jesus, uh, which highlighted Jesus' coming as the fulfillment of God's plan. Uh, Jesus came true man, uh, not just any man, but the son of David, the offspring of Abraham, the fulfillment of God's plan and promises throughout the Old Testament. Today, uh, we look at Christ's coming in Mark's gospel, or as you could say, Mark's advent. And if you've maybe heard the expression, March comes in like a lion, well, Mark comes in like a lion too full of action and power, uh, showing Jesus as the coming king uh, who, by implication, calls us uh, to prepare the way and get ready for his coming. You might even say, hunker down, gird your loins, brace yourself, because he's coming. Uh, Even the the language uh, of Mark's writing uh, is full of action and power. Uh, the, he uses the term famously, uh, he uses the term immediately, 42 times uh, in the 16 chapters of his gospel. In fact, 12 times just in the first chapter 
of his gospel, which is many times as uh, Matthew, Luke, and John use it combined. Uh, that everything in Mark happens immediately. Uh, that it's right uh, rushing towards you. Um, emphasize the immediacy and urgency of Christ's coming. Mark begins, as we heard in our gospel lesson, in the wilderness, the home of wild animals, with John the Baptist roaring out his message of repentance. You can easily imagine uh, from John's description that he might have even looked like a lion, clothed in his camel hair tunic, wild, uncut mane of hair, loudly, they didn't have microphones back then, and fiercely calling on people to repent. But when asked about it, John made clear that he himself was not the king of beasts. In fact, he acknowledged the saying, after me comes one mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Uh, John, as lion-esque as he was, was actually just a herald uh, proclaiming the coming of the real king. One other aspect of Mark's sense of urgency that's worth noting is how, unlike the other synoptic gospels, Matthew and Luke, uh, which overlap a lot uh, with Mark, Mark doesn't tell any of the story of Jesus' birth, skips over it completely, and introduces Jesus as a fully grown man, ready for action, coming to claim his crown, which turns out to be a crown of thorns, as Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, but that's getting ahead of the story. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, uh, Jesus uh, appears and is introduced right after the text of our gospel lesson. Uh, picking up in verse 9, uh, Mark writes, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens. You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. Immediately, Jesus is introduced by his anointing. Similar to how King David was anointed by the prophet Samuel. John the Baptist's in his baptism of Jesus, uh, in a way, anoints him as the coming king. As Jesus is even more thoroughly anointed by the Holy Spirit, descending on him in the form of a dove. Almost a coronation, you could even compare it to. Highlighting Jesus as the coming king, uh, who is ready to begin his as the uh, mark goes on immediately 
the Spirit impelled Jesus to go out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days uh, being tested by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts and the angels were ministering to him. You maybe noticed that I changed the word tempted there to tested because I think it's a better translation. Uh, that the point of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness wasn't that he was being tempted uh, to do, oh boy, I'm really tempted to get that last piece of chocolate cake, but no. Uh, that it, this was him meeting the devil out on the field of spiritual battle and doing spiritual warfare. Uh, this was the devil testing Jesus to try and get him off track. Uh, was completely unable to do so. And in fact, took to his heels in flight uh, because Jesus was too strong. That Jesus uh, immediately appears in his kingly role, as what we would associate somewhat with the commander-in-chief. Uh, but in those days, it was the king's job, not just to kind of be over the military, but to actually be out in the front, leading the troops, uh, conquering uh, any invading armies that would threaten his people. And Jesus immediately uh, goes out to do battle with the devil, to conquer the power of Satan, as he triumphed over Satan in the wilderness. It would be easy to make the, the lion connection there that he was with the wild beasts, as uh, Mark points out. But I think an even more significant statement follows after that of the angels ministering to him, uh, showing him with his royal court in attendance, his uh, angelic ministers, his cabinet, if you will, as king. And finally, in the next few verses after that, uh, Jesus simply announces his kingdom. After John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And Jesus is coming as king in fulfillment of God's promises. Last week we talked about how the gospel accounts do overlap uh, significantly, that uh, while they're uh, in ancient tradition were associated with one theme or another or one of the other of the four living creatures from Revelation, uh, they, they do overlap. And while Matthew was highlighting Jesus as the fulfillment of uh, God's plan, Mark highlights too, to a lesser extent, the time is fulfilled. And when Mark talks about the kingdom of God, Matthew had already talked about that as well. Um, but here uh, we see good reason for how the church fathers often portrayed uh, Mark's gospel uh, as the lion, um, because it does show Jesus as a, a coming king calling us to receive him as Lord of our lives. 
In the ancient days when kings went back and forth up and down the roads, they would be preceded by heralds to tell people to make way, uh, get out of the way, the king is coming. Uh, We're not really familiar with that as part of our everyday experience anymore. Uh, We can maybe associate it something more like the, the ambulance coming down the road. Right? When you hear the sirens behind you, you know, better pull over, make way, make way. Uh, the ancients would have had a similar understanding of what happens when the, you hear the herald behind you announcing that the king is coming, get out of the way. Well, that's a good reminder uh, for our Advent preparation. Heads up, look out, move over, get out of the way, because Jesus is coming. And that may seem like a little bit uh, of a darker view of Jesus' coming, but it's not just a warning to get out of the way to avoid uh, him, uh, but to get out of the way to receive him and accept him so that we would not be standing in the way of how he would come to us. Because we can easily get in our own way uh, when it comes uh, to receiving Christ and his blessings. We can get so caught up with earthly things. Our hearts can become so cluttered uh, with earthly desires that we find ourselves unable to actually even think about much less dwell on and be filled with the things of God. Mark's gospel, um, proclaiming with John the Baptist, uh, tells us uh, to get out of the boss's seat because the boss is coming. Uh, To get out of the way of Jesus, to let Jesus be Jesus in our lives. Because that's a good thing for us. And going back to the ambulance analogy, uh, getting out of the way of the ambulance is uh, just common civility, common decency. It's also a good idea to, for the safety on the road. How much more sense would it make if we knew the ambulance was coming for us? that we're desperately sick in need of a Savior, that we sick unto death. Our life depends on the care this ambulance brings. Well, would you leave a roadblock in the way? Not hardly. The coming of Christ is for our blessing for our lives. And we would clearly have no other policy than to make that way as straight and smooth for him as possible. Confessing our sins uh, like the people who heard John the Baptist. Repenting of our sins. Turning away from them. Casting them aside uh, so that we can receive Christ and all his blessings. When it comes to that aspect of 
preparation and sanctification, it, it can be a, a difficult one to talk about sometimes um, because it's easy to get out of balance with God's action in ours. Uh, when the theme of uh, making ourselves ready to receive Jesus or uh, to uh, prepare the way for Jesus comes up, it, you can easily slide into uh, making such a big deal of that that it almost sounds like uh, Christ came to me because I prepared the way for him, that I'm saved because of what I did. Well, that's kind of works righteousness is actually the, the opposite of what John is really talking about and what Mark is really talking about. Uh, that the idea that I'm in the driver's seat, that I'm in control, is what we need to repent of, to get out of the way, to not try and fill that lane ourselves, but make room for the one who actually can save us. Mark uh, does a great job of balancing uh, that call to prepare the way of the Lord, uh, to make straight paths to receive him, uh, with the equally important, more important, uh, central idea that Christ is coming, full of power and action to bring us salvation. After all, it doesn't make any sense to say that Christ came to me because I prepared my heart for him any more than it would say to say the ambulance came because I prepared the driveway for it. Uh, that Christ comes because he is coming. And we prepare because of his coming. It's because he has come to us out of it, purely out of his grace and love, that we have anything to prepare for and any reason to prepare. It is his work that sets the agenda and determines the, the course of events as we respond uh, to what he has done. And baptism, which uh, is the opening idea of Mark, is... Uh, and actually the closing idea of Mark, too, at the end of uh, the Gospel of Mark, is still a part of our response today. As uh, Luther uh, writes in the small catechism regarding the significance of baptism, what does such baptizing with water indicate? It signifies that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires. And again, a new man daily come forth and arise who shall live before God in righteousness and purity forever. That baptism isn't just a, a one-time event to uh, prepare the way and then you're done, um, but a part of a lifestyle of discipleship, the beginning of an ongoing uh, lifetime of repentance turning away from sin, and daily arising and emerging through the power of God in, in our baptism uh, to live before him in righteousness and purity forever. Mark shows 
of baptism as the beginning of a lifetime calling to prepare the way of the Lord, uh, to receive the coming King as Lord and King of our hearts and lives. And in that way, I think it could kind of be compared to a marriage. When you do marital counseling with young couples, I I tell them, don't think because your spouse, or or at this point your fiancé, loves you for who you are, that you're going to remain the same person. Uh, You're going to change, and they're going to change. And it's going to be amazing. But it will be a change, and it will not always be easy. Marriage will rock your world. And having kids changes everything even more. If you've been married any length of time at all, you probably resonate with what I'm saying. That marriage has many, many blessings. But it's also hard. It means giving up some of the things that you were a blessing of being single. Again, the birth of a baby. A common piece of advice uh, when couples are expecting for the first time to hear, brace yourself. Right? It's going to be amazing, but it's not going to be easy. And it will be a change in a lot of ways. Well, a relationship with Jesus is similar uh, in many ways, but even more dramatic in nature. The Gospels even portray Jesus as the coming bridegroom because he's going to come and change your world. It's not going to be easy, but it will be amazing. The birth of this baby is going to be the biggest change the world has ever seen. So brace yourself. That it's not going to be easy. It will be a change. That you will have to give up aspects of your life uh, that had seemed like a blessing. But it will be amazing. Because the change this child brings, the change this Savior brings, is a change ultimately from death to life. Uh, from chaos and fear to perfect peace. And may that peace, as beyond all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until the day of his glorious return. Amen.